Ball spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be all, end all, know it all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Friday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. It's a big week, Jared. Yes, it is. There is tons of things going on this week in the world of sports. The KECO Golf Tournament. That's right. It's, it's, It's tournament week. Young Lady Softball. NBA draft, College World Series, man, we're not quite to the dog days of summer just yet. Your Rangers, did you see what happened yesterday? Did you see that stat? I saw they made a huge comeback. Yeah, Toronto had won like 79 games in a row where they led by six runs or more at some point. The Rangers had lost 74 in a row. When they trailed by six or more. Wow. Well, that, that snapped a couple pretty that. long yeah. streaks. Rangers bat went cold for a little bit. They finally woke up. i tell you whose bat isn't cold, and his pitching arm isn't either. Shohei Otani. Drive. That dude is doing things even Babe Ruth didn't do. It's amazing. That is amazing. We can hit that. Of course, Jim, it's Monday. We're going to get back in touch with Jim. It's been a while since we got to talk to the Ultimate. We'll do that at 9.30, get his thoughts on the U.S. Open, uh, the NBA stuff, Bradley Beal getting traded. Who's next? What about the Thunder? What does he want to see from the Thunder? I want to ask about uh, Victor Wimbanyama as well. What 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 would be successful for him? With the, It, it just seems like the expectations for him are so sky high. So what is realistic? Also, the college... By the way, the College World Series has been awesome. It if really you're not has. Watching. It really has. Six games, five of them by one run have been decided by a run. The other one was, what, 6 3 LSU over Tennessee? I thought did, ORU was going to do it yesterday. Did you see that stat about ORU? No. Holy Moses. I've never heard of such a thing. I'm they, anxious to hear it. Last night snapped a seven game winning streak when they trailed by three runs or more. They'd won seven games in a row after, lead, after trailing tra- by trailing. at least three. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. Um, we'll hit U.S. Open as well. And the Braves. The Braves organization. What's going on here? Heartless. Good grief. You, oh, I've seen. I think what I a s- ridiculous deal yesterday. I think I saw that. Golly. Let's we'll see how your weekend was. Everybody out there. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about anything that you want that's on your mind. Feel free to try to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple of ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to KADSAM.com. You can download the app. The app's got it all. It has got radio. It's got the Penny News. It's got Big Elk and Paragon TV. It's got it all. And then, of course, Skinny on Sports podcast is available. If you miss a show entirely, you can go back and check that out as well. How are you this morning, Jared? I'm good. 
How was your weekend? You're all moved in? Uh, we Everything is there. Well, that's good. It's not that's exactly where it goes, per <laughs> se, probably, but... I think you'll find you'll constantly be unpacking for the next few months. Yeah. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> but yeah, we. Uh, it actually looks like somebody lives there now. Well, good. Did some bunch of yard work. We had uh, Kara's cousin and her husband came out on Saturday from Mustang area. And they helped immensely to kind of, you know, because I'll be honest with you, I I don't really know, you know, there's kind of an art to shaping a lot of those landscaping bushes. Yeah. They have had a lot of experience with this, so they kind of gave us a, they kind of gave us a uh, blueprint on how to do this. Yeah. You know? And so I kind of see what they are supposed to look like when you, instead of just start, you know, hacking things off, kind of a... a so we did that. I mean, it started. Yeah, it started Wednesday, and it went through about five o'clock Saturday. Before and finally, I was, uh, you know, thankfully, the storms started popping up, and so they yeah. they were like, hey, "We better go." And I was like, "Yeah, are you sure? Yeah, you better get ahead of those though." <laughs> like, can we finally stop working? But no, it was. Uh, we had lots of help with appreciate everybody and yeah we're uh well great we're getting there great we're definitely getting there how was your weekend it was good real good didn't do a lot went to uh you mentioned yard work i finally got on the mower was able to have enough time to mow the entire lawn (laughs) oh my goodness you talk i'd go over about three times yeah it was rough but uh now got that done um me and my kid went to a movie Hung out Saturday night, had a storm watch party basically, just hung out in the back porch. It wasn't crazy when it came through, at least where I was at over at Canute. You can just sit in the backyard or underneath the porch and it was fine. And um, yesterday just had a nice Father's Day. It, it was a pool day. Sat in my mother-in-law's backyard, watched a lot of the golf, actually took a nap outside. It was so pretty <laughs> outside. Got in the pool and cooked some food. Just really good, good Father's Day. Good Father's Day. Good weekend. Very good. Now we're, <laughs> now we're about to hit it hard this week. Yeah, it's going to be. Like every night there's something. There, there's something going on. Of course, we're getting ready for the big golf tournament. And that will keep us busy all week and keep us hooked up on Friday and Saturday. And Looking forward to it. Golf tournament. I, I was looking for the bracket. Looks like somebody, somebody somewhere in the state of Oklahoma lost power. We it was actually, unable to submit. Yeah, we actually had a bracket. They actually got one out there. And, of course, once I send it to all my friends and family that would like to attend, they say, oh, wait, <laughs> we got to redo it. And I get it. I mean, you, you can't blame somebody didn't have power and they couldn't get it there. So I've been anxiously clicking refresh all morning. Hoping that something yeah, I saw that, come out. that posted sometime. Of we're talking about state softball. State softball for the – for the young ladies yep. over at Clinton and Weatherford. Uh, that's, uh, that's all that posted on the OK Kids website. Sometime Monday morning. Yeah. Well, here we are. It's a little bit later than uh, right now. So that'll be good. That'll be something we can uh, look forward to this week. You mentioned the golf tournament, the draft. Man, there's just lots of fun stuff. It's a lot. Um, it was Father's Day yesterday. And it, the Atlanta Braves look like they're going to have something kind of cool. For Father's Day. Right. Charlie Colbertson. 
was uh, his dad was going to throw out the opening pitch. Father's Day makes for sense. Father's Day, right? Son on the team. This will be fun. Yeah. And then yesterday morning, all those plans went right down the tubes when they designated the Braves designated Charlie Colbertson for assignment. That's cold, man. I mean, it's one thing. <laughs> it's so cold. It's one thing, like, if your dad was going to be there to watch you pitch. You know, that'd be pretty bad. That'd stink. Instead, they had you there to throw out the first pitch and then sent your son away back to Greenville or wherever, oh. Richmond, wherever the oh. Braves AAA thing is now. There is a silver lining to this dark cloud of just the business of baseball. So Michael Harris Sr. happened to be in the yard. And so they replaced Charlie Colbertson's dad with Michael Harris Sr. to throw out the first pitch. And then, oh, by the way, Michael Harris Jr. proceeded to go five for five. I think he hit two bombs. So there, it, it, there is a little bit of a happy ending to the story. But dang, talk about cold-hearted. Yeah. You, I mean, Ouch. really, Braves? You couldn't wait till the yeah. day? <laughs> wow. I, I wonder if there's some kind of deadline they had to get ahead that's, of. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, um, you know, to avoid paying them an extra. I don't know what it is. But but you don't. Yeah, come on. Where's the human element in this? Think about, well, you know, his dad's here. He's going to throw the first pitch. Maybe we should wait. But they don't care. <laughs> And they're probably, yeah, this is business. This is how it works. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you were wondering if it was a business, the answer is yes. Ugh. That was just kind of a, I mean, a little bit of a bummer there on yeah. Father's Day. Yeah. Just a little. You know, because you, know, you, you know good weather. Like, how cool is this? Thanks, Braves. Right. Let my dad throw out the first pitch on Father's Day. This is so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> or see you bye. <laughs> By the way, Dad, we don't need your services anymore either. You think they had to? You think that was just kind of an understood as soon as they sent Charlie down that it was like, okay, yeah, I don't think Dad is going to be all fired up to throw the first pitch anymore. <laughs> or do you think they had to make that phone call? And, and did, did they have to tell them both you've been demoted? Exactly, it's like demoting both of them. <laughs> yeah. Or was Dad going? Well, can I still throw the first <laughs> exactly. pitch? Exactly. <laughs> Hey, sorry about your luck, son. Yeah, but, you know, I got the old wing ready. I've been yeah, practicing. I've been ready for. I'm, I'm warm. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to know this. I mean, technically, he's still a part of the Braves organization, right? I mean, he's yeah. not. They didn't cut ties with them. So, it's I mean, a, that would have been a horrible story. That would that have been the ultimate. Yeah. Like if the dad would have just been like, "Well, you know, that's not my fault. You got sent down. I'm still throwing the first pitch." <laughs> I don't care what you say. Do better. Hey, son, do better, and they wouldn't send you down, but yeah. I'm going to go ahead and throw the – I'm going to go ahead and do this. <laughs> now, that that might have been the best oh, way man. to resolve all that. Yeah. Heartwarming. The opposite of a heartwarming story on a Father's Day. Did you see the kid in Boston Mm-mm. who got a, a home run ball or a foul ball, and the guy gave it to him, and he just turns around and just throws it back under the field with his big brothers next to him just freaking out. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Thanks a lot, little bro. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Traber coming up at 9.30. Get his thoughts on the golf, basketball, baseball, SEC scheduling. 
all kinds of different things. We, we got can, a long list because it's yeah, been a minute since we talked been. to him. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> clear back to the NBA Finals. We haven't talked to Jim about, but uh, he'll be coming up here in about fifteen minutes to hang out with us for the rest of the show. All right, Jared, U.S. Open. All the talk on Friday was, you know, obviously the record-breaking rounds by Fowler and also Xander Shoffley. The course itself, I mean, I think you got to you got to see over the weekend what they had in mind when they chose this venue. Once the marine layer burned off, it was sunny, things got hard. You could see where they were headed because the lead the lead going into the weekend was ten under, and that ends up being the 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 winning score. Mm-hmm. So it never got brutal enough for everybody to kind of back up, but it did. Uh, play much more difficult over the weekend than it did in the first couple of days when the the, the moisture re- was retained on the golf course. So, what were your thoughts uh, as far as the course itself? I I think it. You saw some stuff that happened that, you know, when you got when you didn't play it right, it you it made you pay for. You know, you could see it made them pay for it. You know, if you're being overly aggressive, uh, I think that hurt Ricky a couple times yesterday. Um, so I think it just played into my expectation of everything that I've heard about it and everything you've told me about it, that you saw some things like, whoa, like, um, who was it that couldn't get out of the bunker on Saturday? I mean, it just little things like that, but I think it really, I didn't walk away from it going or, you know, after yesterday thinking, wow, I I think I was more like, okay, this is what I was told this course was going to, how it was going to play. And I think we saw a lot of that kind of play out. Hey, the the shot that I think yesterday when when Wendell Clark on the par five number eight, where he literally missed hitting it on the green by a yard, and then he was in a bush that was up to about his chest. I mean that that kind of was the idea. I think the theory of that golf course is better than the actual golf course, though. The way that uh, you know, let's be honest, that swing he made off the 18th tee in any other U.S. Open in history is in gigantic rough right of the fairway on a 520 par 4 where you're hacking out and trying to get up and down. The only difference between the swing that he made yesterday on 18 and the swing that we saw Mito Pereira make on the 18th a year ago at Southern Hills in the PGA was just the hole. He hit he might even hit a worse drive than what Pereira hit that day at Southern Hills and yet he was still in the fairway. I mean, they said that the fairway was 58 yards wide. He started it, what, 10 yards left, and it sliced all the way. He had a 60-yard slice off the last tee and was in the fairway. That is not finishing hole U.S. Open style stuff there. So I, I think the idea of that golf course was cool. You could see what they were thinking. The conditions never got there, and then the way that they actually set it up with the with the width of the fairways being so just like jarring when you saw it on TV. Yeah, I mean, if they go, I know they're going back in twenty thirty nine. I think there's a lot of different questions about how they'll set that course up next time. Did it feel like a Lynx course? Is that a stretch? Kind of was, but. You know that's we'll see that next year too. They're going to Pinehurst. I promise you, the fairways at Pinehurst aren't going to be quite. It's going to be a totally different challenge. Mm-hmm. So, I think that was the idea. It just 
the execution wasn't great. I mean, you saw Gordon Sargent. You see that yesterday when he tapped in on 18, it popped out of the hole. I mean, that just kind of encapsulated to me what the – it's just kind of, okay, not quite it. I'll tell you what else wasn't it. Paul Azinger. I had, to, I had to look him up. I don't pay attention to the names. Of, so he's the an analyst? He's the lead analyst with Dan Hicks. Of course, Dan Hicks is kind of more your play-by-play guy. You know, Zinger was on a tour. He's a major championship winner, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like every time he said something, it was wrong. I most, can relate. <laughs> I mean, most notably, Wyndham Clark, after he, he makes a mess of eight, then he hits it toward the bunker on the par 3 ninth. It stays out of the bunker. It's in that tall grass. He has to chip it way to the left. Remember the shot? It's one of the biggest shots of the day. He had to chip it way to the left up the hill, and then it started rolling back. And as he hit it, Zinger was like trying to use the slope. Well, that's not going to work. And then it just rolls down to about seven feet. And you're like, what do you mean it's not going to work? Every <laughs> shot that anybody had hit all day, even from the tee box, they'd yeah. hit it back there and it'd roll down there by the I mean, like, I'm like, are you not watching? Have you not seen any of the early coverage? That's exactly what you're supposed to do. And then on 17, I mean, I get that at this point it was, what, a two-shot lead for Wyndham Clark. McElroy's trying to make a charge. And, and listen, the 17th green was nearly impossible to hit. I think it only ended up being like 19% of the field hit that green in regulation. And Rory drives it into the wrong fairway, which was a good break. And then he hits a high, you know, he hits an iron shot, and it lands kind of by the hole. And, you know, Azinger's going, he's the only player in the world that can hit that high and soft. Zinger, the ball didn't go on the green. It rolled clear off. Everybody, matter of fact, 81% of the field had already done that. Landing it on the green and watching it roll off. And then the very next group, Ricky Fowler hit basically not from the same spot but kind of the same shot he got her to hold on the green so it turned out you know what rory isn't the only one that can do that everybody in the field can do it <laughs> except for ricky he actually hit the green just different stuff and you're just like man where is johnny miller when you need him yeah speaking of bad announcing but before we i mean we'll come back to golf did you see the oru tcu game oh carl, carl ravage, ravage that was blew it he blew it Walk off home runs, top of the ninth. Carl, the, he said that I was watching that. He said that I'm looking. I, I was kind of. I, I was at my desk. He said I looked up. It's like this game's not over. What are you talking about? It's a bad break for Carl. <laughs> All right, so Wyndham Clark. I mean, I, I think going into Sunday, most people, if they had a rooting interest, it was not him. With the names that were around him on the leaderboard, oh, no. Ricky, Rory, Scotty Scheffler. Then you go a little bit back further to DJ. You know, there was he, the, the there were some huge names on that lever board, but man, he fought him off and sure he bobbled down the stretch just a little bit to make it more interesting. But gosh, I thought I was completely impressed by the way that Wyndham Clark handled that situation. His best finishing a major before yesterday was tied 75th. He'd only, it was only the seventh time he teed it up in a major. And for him to go head to head with those guys, I thought that was incredibly impressive by him. Yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. He had a little help, um, you know, to get where because of other guys not playing so well. But to stay right there and to have that, I, I mean, you could fold when you're going up against those guys. You know, when Rory's right there, and of course Ricky starting with him, and or how his day started. Uh, hats off to Clark. Now I, I just question: Is this his arrival? 
Is he always going to be a contender, or is this just a flash in the pan? I don't know. So he won at uh, um, Charlotte about a month ago, the Wells Fargo. Now he wins the U.S. Open. Yeah, I actually have that question for Jim. Is this more like Gary Woodland or more like Jordan Spieth? Is he going to win more than one major, or is this just kind of his day? I, I personally believe that the biggest shot of the entire tournament actually happened Saturday. And it was him making that putt on 18 for birdie to get himself into that final pairing with Ricky Fowler because those guys were both OSU guys. I realize Clark ended up at Oregon. But in a lot of ways, Wyndham Clark's idol is Ricky Fowler. And they know each other. They're buddies. Of course, they. How many times do we have to hear they were putting with the exact same putter? That was that storyline was pretty, pretty cringe and pretty over it quickly. But I, the the comfortability factor, I think, for him in that situation the first time, I th- you know, a lot of people are going to point to to the uh, fairway wood he hit on fourteen, the par five, to sneak it up there on the green, which was an incredible shot. But to me. I think that putt on 18 the night before to get him into the final pairing with Ricky Fowler was one of those things that really went a long ways to helping him win that golf tournament. Yeah. Um, who should feel worse, Rory or Ricky? Well, I'd say Rory, hands down, because he there he was again, and he can't close out. Ricky should feel great about how he played this weekend a top five finish and, and was in a position to win. And I know going in there, all eyes are on him. I mean, that's really the only thing I was looking for yesterday was when does he tee off? That's why I'm going to really pay attention. And, and uh, you know, Ricky didn't have his day, played, shot his worst round yesterday. But he's on a comeback, and this is a great – I think that's a great statement for him. He's letting the golf world know, okay, I, I'm, I'm climbing my way back into contention and, and trying to win one of these things, and he'll get one. I think he will eventually, but Rory should feel worse because he, he's – I mean, low-hanging fruit for him again that he cannot g- grasp. Listen, it was really re- reminiscent of what happened at, at uh, St. Andrews last summer where he just couldn't make a putt. But one, and this is going to be no offense to Wyndham Clark, and this may end up being a soundbite for later on down the line that makes me sound really, really stupid. But at least in this point, I won't their, make it a promo. Go ahead and, and say it. But <laughs> in this point in their in their careers, if you're Rory McIlroy, and no offense to Wyndham Clark, but if you're Rory McIlroy, you have to put that one away. You don't lose to Wyndham Clark. You just don't. If you are the all-time great that people thought he was going to be coming off the PGA in 2018, which, oh, by the way, it was him and Ricky. How weird was that? Mm -hmm. That kind of symmetry back to that. But you just can't. You just can't. You're Rory McIlroy. He is Wyndham Clark. You have to be able to put that one away yesterday, and he just wasn't. And listen – it felt like at St. Andrews, the putter was kind of bulky. Yesterday, it seemed like he hit a bunch of really good putts, but there was just something a little off, a little too much speed, a little too less. You know, it just wasn't quite. What I'm saying is he didn't, outside of the little short one on eight, the par five, that he missed left, like a four-footer, and I think it was the only one he missed from inside seven feet the entire tournament, which ends up being the difference. 
But it, it wasn't like he, he hit putts and you just went, oh, my gosh, that's awful. It just didn't go in. But if, if you're as good as he's supposed to be and as good as he has been in the past, in my opinion, it's clearly Rory because he has to put that away. He has to. But he didn't. And, and Wyndham Clark, his toughness was incredible. You know, he made some unbelievable up and downs when he in, in some different times where he hit it off offline. He got off to that good start, birdie in the first. Then he had a bogey, but then he came back with a couple of birdies. I mean, he he played better than everybody else. And at the end of the day, he was the one of all of those last two groups that really had a chance to win. He was the one that made the putts. It almost ca- literally came down to that. When he needed to make one, he did. And nobody else could do that. And that's why Wyndham Clark is your uh, 123rd U.S. Open champ. I feel so I, – I, I, I think the golf world it, – it's not often where you find people rooting for somebody over Rory McIlroy because I, I think Rory's pretty popular. But there is no doubt in my mind – now, of course, it, and, and it didn't – just because it was in California, I think it made it even more, more so – but I don't. Th- I don't think it mattered where that tournament was going to be played. At least in the United States, you could you could feel how much people really like Ricky Fowler. Yeah, you know he is an absolute fan favorite, and I thought he handled what happened yesterday with so much class mm-hmm. and so much grace. It, it had to have been crushing, because as much as yeah, I think Rory's the answer to that question. The lingering thing for Ricky's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm coming back, and he's still young, but how many more great chances like that am I going to have? Right. So that's yeah. the one part where maybe Ricky is, you know, that would be the reason why he could be the answer to that question. Just because, you know, you, you feel like, I mean, heck, Rory McIlroy has been top five in like six straight U.S. Opens. Yeah. But you just don't know how many more Ricky's going to play that well and have it that good a chance. Because think about what happened on Saturday. Jeremy's brought this up on the text line. Teeing off on number 18, Ricky Fowler had a two-shot lead going into the last hole Mm -hmm. on Saturday afternoon. And then by the time they got to, like, number five, he was four behind. How fast it happened. And, I mean, from the very first tee shot yesterday, it was like Ricky was out of sorts. I mean, he blew it way right. Really didn't even hit that good a, a pitch. Back to the fairway, just barely got there. You just—it felt like he was just a little bit off, and I'm sure he hadn't, I mean, he hadn't been in that situation in years, yeah. in a tournament, much less a major. And so, you kind of could—you were hoping it wouldn't happen, right? But you could kind of—you can understand it and kind of feel like, ugh, this may not be Ricky's day as bad as everybody wanted it to be. Right. Well, I just remember it wasn't that long ago. People were saying, "What happened to Ricky? Where's Ricky?" Well, I guess that's it. Feller had a great career. He's just going to be that guy. He'll be at tournaments, but he will never be a contender again. And and kudos to him for making necessary changes, his swing, everything, just to get back. And and that's why I say he should feel very proud, very happy about how he played this weekend, even though it ended in a top-five finish. But, I mean, he was going into Sunday with a chance to win, and he's got to feel good about that. Now, if it's a continuing thing, like a Rory thing, that's you know that that's when that answer switches, but yeah. but no, I, I, I'm happy for him. I mean, that's I'll be honest with you. I was never a Ricky fan. I, I thought it was too brash for, for my taste. But um, even that's kind of gone away. He seems like more of a business approach, 
let's play golf and win these things. And I expect him to be contending for the next few, I hope. I think he will, too. You're just talking your ear off. Hey, it's getting on sports. we got a show to do. Hey, it's, on, we hadn't go. talked in a while. <clears throat> Joining us now is the voice that you hear right here on these airways at 2 o'clock. It is the ultimate Jim Traber. Jim, how are you? I'm okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were talking a lot. I'm not going to – got to tell you, Jared, I'm not going to be here uh, a lot in the next month or so. You know, I got a lot of – I got a lot of things happening, and I'm having three day, three weeks from the day. I'm having that big surgery, so um, I, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to talk to you guys a whole bunch here. So, so. Well, darn. I apologize. Uh, well, I hope the sur- surgery isn't. I, I heard about that. I didn't want to ask you about it, but hopefully it's not a big deal. It's just a necessary thing. You can be okay. Oh, uh, it's a big deal. It's oh, very, man. very big. Well, we'll and be praying. So. We'll be praying. Thank you. I need it very much. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll be coming out your way tomorrow, though. At that stupid traffic on I forty is dumb. Jamie, Christmas. I've never seen so many clueless drivers in my life. Yeah, no, <laughs> it is an absolute mess. So I, I told you that when we came, up, we we went up there for a baseball tournament. I guess it was Memorial Day weekend, and we were going Saturday, but we were going east. And at that point, there wasn't anything happening on the east side. And then we got to about El Reno. And looked over, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's like six miles of backed-up traffic. Uh, and one of the guys, his son plays – he's the high school baseball coach here, and his son plays with mine. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we go back, you have to go through El Reno, around to Calumet, and then you miss every bit of it. And that's that's the, the, the best way to go. So north, north there at Country Club, and then go up to 66, and then go across to Calumet and come back down. That's Sorry. right. Yeah. So you'll go, you know, you'll go to uh, Country Club Road. It'll dead end. You'll have to turn back west. You'll go out by the prison. There's a there, there's actually an exit to get on out there at the prison, but it's closed right now. So before you get to that, you kind of veer the road curves left, and then you got to get off and go back to the right to Calumet. And then once you get to Calumet. You can get on the interstate right there, and it's smooth sailing out to the west from there. Why don't you just go get them? Just go get them, Aaron, and just drive Well, there. that's that what sounds, I was... I had, that, whole sounds, that sounds like I could end up in the prison. There's going to be a sign that says Fort Reno, and that's where you make sure and, and just kind of the, the road curves left, and you just take that the one little turn to the right, and you'll be on the old 66. It'll seem like an access road that's about, I don't know, half a mile or three quarters of a mile off the interstate and you'll just go there for about four miles and then you get to the calumet exit and bam right back on good you don't have to mess I'm with doing any it. of that I'm stuff i'm gonna do it i appreciate it because that was horrible last time i hate being late for shows hey let me tell you this before we talk about anything today you know what we need yeah, just real quick I, how many times in our lifetime and now i'm older than both of you guys and then obviously jared you're the youngest but how many time in our lifetimes fellas have we been able to say that there is a possibility that we are watching the greatest player ever to play a sport. And by the way, this is a tricky question because I'm going to tell you that in my lifetime, I have seen the greatest player ever in hockey. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. I have seen the greatest basketball player of all time. Football is very hard because of all the different positions. But I think, guys, we have – we. We possibly are watching the greatest baseball player of all time in Otani. Do you understand that? And if he was an American and would have played here, I think we looked the other day, he had played, what, five or six years in, uh, in Japan? This guy, fellas, is unbelievable. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. He is leading his team in every single hitting and pitching category. Do you know that, Skinny? Every one. 
I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And by the way, he went deep again. Um, he's just, I'm, I just had to throw that. I know a lot of people don't care about it, but I think we, I think there's a chance that if he stays healthy, because, you know, remember five years ago, we thought Trout was going to be up there too. But if he stays healthy, this guy, he, we might talk about him up there with Babe Ruth and those guys. Yeah, that's what I mentioned that this morning when we saw the stats that you're talking about. Every single thing is Otani, 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 all the way through on both sides uh, of the diamond and how he's doing things that maybe Babe Ruth didn't even do. Well, he's going to win more games than Babe Ruth. Now, he's not going to catch him in some of the other numbers. And that's going to be the problem because when his, when his numbers are all said and done, it's kind of like with Ichiro. I mean, if Ichiro was an American, I've talked about this with you guys before, if Ichiro was an American, he'd have blown by Pete Rose's hits. Blown by it. Um, and, and this dude, if he would have played from the beginning, who knows what his numbers would be. Um, but he is, he is just it's ridiculous how good the guy is. When amazing. Are people, we are. We're watching history. This guy is amazing. But the problem is they just don't make the playoffs. The Angels is what I'm talking about. Now they're they got – a chance this year they're in second place but will people start to care if they if superstars like that actually get into the playoffs i wonder you know jared it's a good question i wonder way back when if anybody cared if babe ruth was in the playoffs i mean i don't know um what i know is is that you're right and he's a free agent after this year and there's a lot of talk that he may go somewhere else to me i don't know it'll be disgusting if he goes to the yankees or the mets or the dodgers i mean i just think that'll be a shame but that's the way the game is with the uh, no salary cap, which, by the way, I'm behind. I mean, I'm a member of the union, so I, I don't think there should be a salary cap either. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. you got to get in the playoffs and do some things. But I'm going to tell you what, I'd bet some money, fellas, that if he was in the playoffs, I bet you'd do something good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we guys kind, we kind of got to see that a little bit earlier in the uh, in the year with the World Baseball Classic kind of the play. I mean, not the Major League yep. Baseball, but it's in that, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of style. And he was awesome. Yeah, no, he's he's amazing. I mean, he is absolutely amazing. And uh, to, I wish it was. I wish he was an American. You know, I wish this was an American that was doing it. But uh, it's not. I mean, it's not. So um, I don't know. There's not going to be enough people talk about it. Guaranteed. It's just the way it is. And then, like I said, when it's all said and done, he's going to have a certain. You know, he's not going to have 600 home runs or anything because he hasn't played long. Right, yeah. he's going to be one of those guys. I wonder if he can get the two hundred. How many wins does he have? You guys have any idea how many wins he has? I don't, I don't know. Maybe you look I don't, it up. I don't know. Aaron's on it. Um, I wonder. I wonder how many wins he can get to. I don't know. If, I wonder if he can get the hundred. But uh, yeah, Babe. For people that don't know, Babe Ruth won a hundred games as a pitcher, and then was the most dominant hitter by far in the league. Not even close. So, uh, but anyway, your, your point is well taken, Jared. Nobody gets to see him in the playoffs. Nobody watches him like late at night. Um, but he's really and, impressive. And, and I wonder if that is what it's going to have to take for the Angels to retain him. If if he if he sees, man, this team just can't get to playoffs. I need to go somewhere that can. If that's a deal breaker for him, if they miss out on the playoffs, they could probably miss out on him. You know what, though, Jared? What's interesting is is that these dudes from other countries they don't think like we do. Yep. You notice? Look at Ginobili, right? Ginobili, yeah. Now, they were going to the playoffs, but Ginobili could have made a whole bunch more money and been a whole bunch more important on a team. He was fine with what he does. You know, look at the way we, we make fun of We like to, you know, make fun of Jokic, but I love what he's all about with his attitude. 
These dudes from other countries don't always think as we do. So maybe he might be happy. He's closer to Japan, you know, out there on the, uh, on the coast. And uh, maybe maybe he likes it out there. I don't know. Or maybe that four game series in Texas. Uh, <laughs> saying, hey, I like barbecue. Maybe I should stay. Come come here and play. Who knows? Well, yeah, that it would be impressive <laughs> if the Rangers could get him. Very uh, impressive. Thirty four wins. Thirty four and sixteen. So See, far. That's a shame. That's a shame, man. Because he's he's not going. He he'll he he'll get over a hundred, but I don't know how far he'll go. So. Yeah, two hundred. But anyway, maybe. I just had to bring that up. We got a lot of other things. Like, can I? Since since I already brought that to the table, let me bring something else. Okay. Now, I was going to do this on my show today, but I'll give it to you guys first. Um, when are we going to start talking about Ricky Fowler as a choke artist? Well, we kind of alluded. It. It's interesting <laughs> because I I had a question for Jared, and the question was, who should feel worse today, Rory McIlroy or Ricky Fowler? Well, Ricky Fowler is used to choking. So I guess, you know, he made a lot of money, and it was really cool, and it was wonderful to watch. And like I said, I'm not a massive Ricky fan, but um, I know millions and millions of people are. And I'm just saying, when are we going to say that he's a choke artist? That's all I'm saying. He is. That's what he is. For him to drop a 75 after the golf that he played in the first three days is just ridiculous. just is. And you know what, fellas? If this was Kepka or Patrick Reed or somebody like that, people would be killing him. Because it's Ricky Fowler, everybody's like, well, gosh, he sure is playing better. Yeah, you're right. It is amazing. He's a whole bunch better than he was a year ago and two years ago. Uh, but that's about, as, that's about as big of a choke artist as I've seen right there, in, in that right there. And he's playing against a dude who you would think the, the guy would be the one that shot 75, wouldn't you? I mean, I, yeah, everybody was like, matter of fact, I'm watching golf. i got a big old Father's Day thing going on with my whole family. My son-in-law was a really good golfer in high school. Really, he played some in college at OCU. A really good golfer. He looked over at me and he goes, I'll bet you $20. He goes, I'll take Rory. Because I was saying, you know, I was, I, was rooting on, uh, I was rooting on Clark. I wanted Clark or Scheffler to win. And he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll take Rory and I'll take uh, Fowler and you take those two. And for $20, and I said, dude, I don't want to take your money. And, uh, but anyway, he goes, no, come on, let's do it. I said, nah, he goes, I'm not going to do it. Of course, I ended up winning. But one of the reasons why is because I could see that Scheffler couldn't make a putt. And I was a little bit worried that Wyndham Clark would feel it. Well, he had those couple bogeys. By that time, though, Ricky Fowler was done. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ricky Fowler, all he has to do is put some pressure on Wyndham Clark early. A couple birdies, you never know, but he can't do it. And then Roy McIlroy, the greatest striker of the ball off the tee of, I don't know, maybe of all time, you know, he decides Parr is going to win. Wasn't that it, Skinny? That's what he said. Am I right? I'm going to win this with Parr. And he never went for anything. Never. He was always on the sides. You know, I'm so sick and tired of hearing these announcers. Oh, man. You can't, you can't hit it on that side of the green. Yeah, you can. I mean, yeah, you can. You know, this it just drives me crazy. Then, and then they'll hit the ball to 45 feet. That's a great shot. No, it's not. That's not a great shot, okay? Now, I know it was hard, and it's the U.S. Open, but Rory McIlroy, who's one of the greatest strikers of the ball of all time, he never went for it, Skinny. Am no, I right? He never. Did. He, he did played not. like a sissy. He, uh, number 14, out of the rough. I mean, we had just seen... You know, Tommy Fleetwood made the only eagle of the day in a very similar spot. Just a nice lie in the rough, 
squeeze it up there between the bunkers, and McElroy lays it up and then dumps a wedge, which that drop, how in the world they gave him a drop there? That was the most And then he made that a was six one still. Of the ridiculous things I've ever <laughs> seen. Oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, that's just, ridiculous. whatever that knee is, it needs to be changed. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, he that's double bogey, right? Guaranteed double bogey. And uh, and he gets away with a bogey, but no, your point is well taken. That we you could see his ball in that rough, skinny. You could uh-huh. see it. Yes, you could. I mean, get your dag on five wood that you hit three billion yards and bang it up there. And then they showed that stat that what if you laid up it was the average of like five point three, and if you didn't lay up, it was like four point eight. Yes, go for it. And I mean, that, it was I'm that. Good. Good. No, it was that hole number twelve. Uh, the one where it, they showed the from behind it was kind of a blind tee shot. Everyone else was hitting three irons and having like 160 in. Wendell Clark blasted it up there with his driver to like 80 yards, and and just made that shot so much easier. It just felt like that that course wasn't a real U.S. Open test in a lot of ways, and McElroy played it like it was. You know, it you know this tee shot on 18 to me. I, we were talking about the course. You could see yesterday and even on Saturday, like what the idea was, like why it got picked by the USGA, because it had certain things. I mean, Clark shot on eight yesterday on the par five. It was an it was a yard from being an easy two putt birdie. Instead, he was in that tree right by the by, by the green yeah. where you end up making a, a six. But yeah. uh, they didn't execute it well. That Wyndham Clark's tee shot on number eighteen was worse than Mito Pereira's at Southern Hills last year. The only difference was the 18th fairway was 60 yards wide. Yeah. I mean, he hit like a 70-yard slice and was still in the fairway. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, the, the, the fairs, fairways were too long. And, and, by the way, it got better. You know, I ripped them to shreds after day one, but they made it better as it went on, got a little bit harder and everything like that. So, I mean, 10 under is, 10 under is not a horrific score. It's too high for me mm-hmm. for a U.S. Open. I want five under. I don't want – and it, every single day there were less people under par, so it got better. But you're right, the fairways, fairways were way too big. But Rory, if I'm a Rory fan, I'm disgusted with him today. Oh, yeah. He, he walked in to that place out of his car, and he said to his caddy, shoot par today and we're going to win. That's what he did, fellas. He said, we shoot par today we're going to win. i, I got to tell you, that is such a weak attitude for a dude that hits it that well. What At one point, I don't know the rest of the day, but at one point he was – 12 of 13 in greens, uh, greens in regulation. 12 of 13. You know what that means? It means you're hitting it well, but you know what it also means? You're going for the fat parts of the green, right, Skinny? That's, That's right. That's what you're doing. And I'm sorry, man. I mean, you, there's a couple holes there. When you've got a wedge in your hand, eight times out of ten when you're a Rory McIlroy, you should be going for the pin. I'm sorry. Now, when I say go for the pin, okay, if you hit it a little bit left, you're in big trouble. Then, then try to hit it ten feet right, not forty-five feet right. I, I just, and then the announcers just drive me crazy. It's just, it's. I'm telling you, it's getting ridiculous. The, the announcers are by far the worst of anywhere. Azinger, oh my gosh, man! And I think the dude's really good at what he does, but I've never seen people stick up for people so bad. Every once in a while, at least Azinger said, "That's not the shot they wanted." No. It was a horrible shot. <laughs> That's what it was. That's not the shot they wanted. Oh, really? You mean they weren't playing for an 80-foot putt? So I I, um, I think Rory, I don't know. Look, I don't know who it is that Rory listens to, whether it's his wife, his caddy, his, 
coach, his dad, somebody needs to say to him, Rory, dude, you're probably the best golfer in the world, all right? You have got to go for it. You know, and, and he he won't do it. He, just, he, he didn't do it. It's just shocking. The, the one thing I would give credit for with Ricky Fowler is that dude was going at some things. He, you know, all-time record for, for birdie mm-hmm. uh, in, in a U.S. Open. But most of the time, he was going for things. Now, if it was stupid, he didn't. But I'm telling you, Roy, Roy if you can show me one hole where he went for it yesterday, I, I would love to see it because I don't think he went one time for anything. Just the first, <clears throat> the very first hole. He just yeah. obliterated that hole every single time. Um, yeah. But I know. It, it just, like, the very last shot, the very last iron shot, he's got like eight iron. The guy is a natural drawer of the golf ball. He just is when his best swings are all towering high draws. And in the most pressure-packed shot of the week, he tries to work a cut in there, and he hits it dead straight, and it's 50 feet when he needs yep. to make a birdie. It just doesn't It just doesn't make sense. For me, though, Jim, I thought the biggest shot, 14 when Wyndham Clark knocked it on in two as far as yesterday was probably the biggest shot of the day because it gave him the, the breathing room that he needed by making that birdie. But for me, the biggest shot of the day happened on Saturday, and that was when he knocked in that birdie putt and was able to be in the final group with Ricky and the, the comfortability level that those two have with each other, the OSU ties, uh, their buddies off the course. I thought Wyndham Clark might have ended up winning the U.S. Open on Saturday when he birdied 18. That's a great point, Skinny. I'm going to use that and give you credit today because I think that is a great, great point. Uh, yeah, it's a lot better to be able to play for a friend, with a friend. And then, um, on the other side, what blew it for Ricky was, I told my son-in-law yesterday, him missing that putt on 18 yeah. on Saturday. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, just knock that thing in and go with the lead. Now, he probably would have choked it off anyway, but at least, you don't have to think all day. Who was it? It was Azinger who said, you're going to think about that overnight. You better believe he's going to think about that overnight. Yeah, it, it, I don't know, man. That, that was an amazing thing to watch. You have Scheffler who's, I mean, hitting the ball absolutely perfect and can't make a dag one putt. You've got Cameron Smith that if that dude could hit the ball better, he's the greatest putter I think I've ever yeah. seen. Um, you, you've got, obviously, you've got Ricky who is a choke artist. You've got Rory who's playing like a child. And then you got Wyndham Clark who's just he's taking advantage of everything else. And then on fourteen, like you said, he said, well, you know, I'm gonna hit this thing on the dag on green. And uh, you know, he made those two bogeys, which obviously both of those are two tough holes. But then on eighteen he had boy he had some great up and downs, didn't he? That up and down on seventeen and the up and down on eighteen. He deserved it. I mean Wyndham Clark deserved it, man. And he's a good player. And he's a really good player. We'll see. I I don't I don't think that's the last of him, guys. Okay. I don't think he's one of those fluke guys. That's what I had. Is he more Gary Woodland or Jordan Spieth as far as winning major championships? Yeah, I like Gary Woodland, but that's a really good point, too. I don't know. Jordan Spieth, I mean, I don't know. I'm wondering if Jordan Spieth's ever going to win another major. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he he's he's a really good golfer, but sometimes, I don't know. He's such a – they seem like they're so psychotic, him and his, his, his uh, caddy sometimes. I don't know. I'm predicting Wyndon Clark will win something else. I mean, so far he's already won an elevated and a, and a major this year. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. He was good. He was the only one that made any putts yesterday out of those four guys that really had a chance. He was the one that, that, that made the putts, and, and kudos to him for doing it. 
because. By the way, I'm going to give it up to Kepka uh, for being uh, truthful about the course too. Yeah, Kepka, Hovland, <laughs> Fitzpatrick. There's a bunch of them that were like, yeah. Oh, did Hov- I didn't see. Yeah. I didn't see a lot more. What did Hovland? Hovland say? said it's not that it's not that great a golf course. He, he said it's got some good holes. It has zero great ones. Wow, interesting. Well, look, you know, I don't know. Did you guys hear uh, Derek Freeman on? Yes. This week? Yes, that was great. You know, obviously, be the member there and everything. And, and it sounds like it would be really cool, Skinny, to be a member there, would it not? I yep. mean, that would be, I mean, 36 holes and, I mean, you know, obviously a great golf course. But does that mean that it's a U.S. Open course? No. They took a chance. They went away from what they normally go to. Next year, they're going back to Pinehurst. Yep. We'll, we'll go ahead. We'll, next year, we'll see a US, U.S. Open course, right? Next year. Yeah, we'll five, see five in a row. I think it's like Pinehurst, Oakmont, Pebble, um, Wingfoot, and Shinnecock. I yeah. think are the next five. Yeah. Uh, maybe there you not go. in that the order. Real one. Yeah, it's it's going to be. You know, I'm not, you know me, fellas. I, I'll rip. I'm not afraid to rip anything or anybody. I'm not going to rip the USGA. They tried to do something different. Yeah, I will say this: if the winning score would have ended up 17 under, yeah. I would have been going crazy. But 10 under is not horrific. Um, and, you know, the last, I mean, the last three rounds were, were, were serious. That first round, I don't know what they were doing. They were just saying, hey, fellas, we're going to see how good you can score. You don't do that in the U.S. Open, Skinny, right? You don't do that in the U.S. You don't say to the, you don't say to the players at the U.S. Open, go light this thing up. You don't do that. No, and it, You can do it in other tournaments. You don't do it in the U.S. Open. So they made a mistake. They made up for it. The, fr- the last three rounds were U.S. Open golf. But it's just not the, uh, I mean, it's, it's just, It'll, let's put it this way: It'll never be back there. You agree with that? Uh, it's scheduled to be back in twenty thirty nine. Well, I think I'll be dead by then. Hopefully, so they'll hopefully they'll change the setup a little bit. And and the problem for that U.S. Open is what we'll see here in about a month. Weather dictates a ton of it because that first day, that marine layer never uh, burn off. It was soft, and I don't care where you put the pins. When you've got fairways that wide, and those guys can hit it in the fairway, you can put the pin wherever you want to. If it's soft, they'll get to it. Well, the, the key is it, the, the fairways have got to be at about an average about five feet smaller. Yep. I mean, you know, at an average. Now, that number 18, it's ridiculous to have a 60-yard 60, 60 fairway. Gee, many Christmas, 60 yards? That's absurd. they got to cut them down. they got to cut the fairway. If, if they do have it in 2039, then they need to uh, just cut the fairways down. You cut those fairways down by an average of about five to eight yards, and then... The winner of that thing will be six under, and it'll be cool. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I completely agree. Because once the lead got to 10, it stayed there over the weekend. It never moved. Uh, so yep. a couple of even par rounds there. Um, what about the College World Series, Jim? We were visiting it earlier, Jared and I. It has been an awesome start. Five of the first six games, one-run games. Oral Roberts had an amazing streak snapped last night. I've never even heard of this. You see that? They'd won seven straight games when they had trailed by three or more runs before last night, and they almost came back and won uh, last night. Uh, it's just been awesome so far up in Omaha. It has, and, and I will tell you this, as much as I give it up to ORU, they're one of those teams that probably does not need to come through the loser's bracket. Yeah. You know, I mean, when, when you've got a team like Oral Roberts, you're not going to be as deep as some of these other teams. They really needed to win that game against Florida. Um but, I mean, they still got a chance. I mean, they're an amazing comeback team. And I said yesterday when they're down, I said they're right where they want to be. You know, uh, they, they really were. But um, just an amazing story. 
And I'll tell you something, you know, the, the, the thing that I love most, OSU baseball, they've got to be soul-searching up there, fellas, because OU goes to the finals last year, ORU's in, a champ, you know, in the World Series this year. Uh, they're, they gotta, they got to figure some things out up there. Doesn't look good to be the only school in the state that hasn't been to the World Series. Yeah, no, it doesn't look good. I, I know we're limited on time. I want to get your quick thoughts about the NBA draft and what you think the Thunder should do. I love the kid from Central Florida, Hendricks. Um, that's his name, isn't it, Hendricks? Yeah. Um, I, I think he's probably the best one. And if they, I think they need to trade up. They're in a tough situation because they're at number 12, and I think all the players that they really like are going to be from like 7 to 10. So just get rid of some of these ridiculous picks that you have that you're never going to use and uh, move up and get the guy that you want. That's, that's what I'd like to see. I like Grady Dick from Kansas, but I think the, other, I think the Hendricks kid might be a little bit better maybe uh, athletically, defensively as well. So that's, that's the ticket. That's what I'd like to see him do. And um, we'll see. We will see. Um, and what about the Bradley Beal trade? This is, guys, is this another one of those deals of let's get as many players together even though they don't fit and it's not going to work? What do you think? It feels, it feels like that, especially after a team like Denver who's built through the draft and, and smart acquisitions elsewhere. But – you know they're not a super team. They they are really good player and really well built. They, I thought we were going away from the super team, so it feels like they're just trying to make puzzle pieces work here that don't fit. Phoenix, that is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting about Aiton. You know, what's he gonna, is he going to like care? I mean, now that now, now that Monty is gone, is he going to be cool with uh, uh, with what's his name Vogel? Um, I don't know, man. I just know that uh, Denver's not going anywhere. That's what I know. And we'll see where Chris Paul goes. Who yeah. would you take right now, Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul? Great. Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. Honestly, probably Russell because well, I, I think he'd play. But that might be a bad thing if he Good does point. play. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It really, it's, it really is. A, it's, it's, I'm not giving it up to myself, but it really is a great question because I don't know how much Chris Paul has left. I, I know Westbrook has stuff left, right? Um, we know that. But is some of it left? I mean, he did what he he really did some nice things for the Clippers. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Interesting enough, will the Clippers keep them? You would think they would, right? If they could, They're, but they might get a choice. They might get to make this choice though, uh, because it sounds like Washington's just going to re- release Chris Paul, and the Clippers have been kind of one of those places that they may, they may actually we may get to see this choice made in real time. Uh, a West, right. Russell Westbrook versus Chris Paul uh, from the Clippers. If I'm Chris Paul. I'm doing everything I can to get to Boston. I, I just think yeah. he is a perfect fit for the Celtics and what they need, and and also a team where he doesn't have to play a whole bunch. You know, he's to me he's fifteen twenty minutes a game is about all you need out of him in the regular season to keep him somewhat fresh uh, to make a postseason run. What about Miami? Yeah, if with I mean, with or without Dame, that might w- would work. I, it seems like yeah. that's kind of. I mean, I think off. Boston would be good for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, if if Chris Paul accepts what he is, then great. You know, if he does that, you're right. He's about a 15 minute a guy. Um, and Westbrook's listen. Westbrook's not a whole bunch more than it was. Well, that's it's if you're a team that's trying to win. It sure is interesting because those two guys have kind of been they've been different their whole careers, but they've been playing around the same time, and it's been a comparison that's been made forever. Like, I mean, how many people who didn't go? Golly. If this Thunder team had Chris Paul instead of Russell Westbrook back in the you know those early years, would this be oh, better agree. off? You know what I mean? They've they always won. kind they of been won. They, no compared. doubt, 
no doubt. Listen, guys, um, right now is the only time, right now is the only time, 2023, that I would even consider taking Westbrook over Chris Paul. Okay? Ever. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I think I might take him right now. I mean, if he's accepting of his role. Right. You know, if he goes back to he wants to, like, tear it up, then no, I don't want any part of it. But right now, if both of them said, I will accept my role, I think I'd probably take Westbrook over Chris Paul right now because I just think Chris Paul's close to being done. But any other year, it would have been Chris Paul. So who's next to move, you think? Last question. Um, we see Bill leaving. Who's the next one? Is it Dame? Is it Kyrie? Clay Thompson? I've heard some rumors about him maybe being out of there in Golden State. So who is the next one to move? I think it's Kyrie. I don't know. This Dame Lillard thing is so weird up there. He loves it there. They love him. It's one of those deals where he just I think he just wants to stay. I, I don't want to rip the guy, but I wonder if he really wants to win, you know? I don't know if he – I don't know. It doesn't seem like he does. I mean, maybe he does. I'm not saying he don't want to win, but I think it's more important for him to be where he is. So I'm going to say Kyrie is the next to move. And, I, and don't ask me where because i got no idea. <laughs> Lakers, maybe? Um, that would be beautiful if he went to the Lakers. Does Draymond not fall, fall into that mold? Yeah, Draymond. I, mean, I think Draymond's going to the Lakers. <clears throat> I think that's already a done deal. Think so? I, there was talk about that before that season was even over. Yeah. So I don't know, Draymond. Is there anybody on that team that he could punch? <laughs> Austin Reeves. <laughs> oh my God! You don't want to. You don't want to punch him. Everybody loves him. Oh yeah. Hey man, what's uh, what's coming up on the podcast today? You know what? We got a great one today. It's about Father's Day. Julie talked about her father. I talk about my father. I end up crying like a baby. Um, it is. Uh, it's really good stuff about fathers. And uh, I want to wish everybody a day late, you guys and everybody out there, for Happy Father's Day. And uh, and uh, it's a great time, man. Great time when you got little ones. I had all my children home this weekend, and all my grandbabies. Everybody was at the house. It was uh, it was really really special. I remember my dad used to start tearing up when everybody would be together, and he would say how happy he was. And now I'm acting just like I used to make fun of him, but now I act just like him. So it's crazy. So the Julian Jim Traver podcast, go to uh, sportsanimal.com or anywhere else you want to find it where, where there is podcasts. It's a really, really good one this time. Well, very good. Hey, thanks for coming on. We finally got back in touch, and then I know we're going to have a, a pretty lengthy break here as well. But, uh, uh, yeah, we'll be listening at 2 o'clock, and we appreciate your time. Well, if you guys are going to do, do your show on the 3rd, July 3rd, I'll come on. But if not, then, uh, then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon, though. All right, man. Hey, thanks, Jim. Have a great day. Thanks, Jim. All right, fellas. See you guys. That is the ultimate Jim Traber joining us here on a Monday, recapping everything in the world of sports, U.S. Open, uh, big-time stuff um, uh, from that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's more on Ricky than Rory, honestly. I feel like it, yeah. Yeah. I'm just happy Ricky got back in that position. Now, the question, and my tune might change if he keeps finishing – where he does and he can't break through. It's like, all right, now's the time, bro. You need to you need to take one of these. You need to win one of these. And Rory, I mean, the the whole idea of par is going to win it. That's not winner's mentality, man. You got to be a champion does not think like that. A winner does not think like that. A winner says, "I want to put my foot on the throat. And I want to go. I want to win this thing." Or put my foot on the gas or whatever you want to use. So that that's shocking to me. I guess I that I didn't hear that part. Um, or I didn't catch on to that. So 
Um, and and now I'm almost in the, you know, willing to take the bet of will he ever win one again? Kind of like a Tiger bet that Jim had a few years ago, a famous bet that he had. I mean, of course, Tiger won one, but Tiger's a winner. He finds way to win. He's a champion. He finds that's what winners do. What's going on, Rory? Here, Here's the difference. I wish I'd have said this earlier. There was an intimidation yeah. factor about Tiger, from, yeah. about Tiger that these guys now just don't have. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at with, like, Rory, you have to beat Wyndham Clark. Yeah. I mean, you, I guess you could say Y.E. Yang, and that is true. He stared down Tiger and beat him in 2009 at the PGA. Nobody else did. And that's where, it, I mean, a lot of times, I, I promise you, there were times in those major championships where Tiger Woods went out there thinking even par is as good as I needed to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but he also because he knew they the were going to, but he knew yes. they were going to fall. Yes, that's the difference in this. This, it, it's an amazing deal because there's more guys that can win. We just saw it, Wyndham Clark. There's more guys that can win now than they than maybe could before. But at the same time, there's one guy that I think affected the other ones unlike anybody now does. No one is scared of any of these guys. No. And I don't think that I think that's the the difference between a jack and a tiger. Right. In these closing rounds. You know, we never we never really saw Tiger Woods have to shoot 65, 65 or 64. Cuz 68 was good enough. Right. And the difference between you know we, the the infamous tiger roar right of the crowd on oh, a yeah. sunday if he's making par there's a roar now if rory's making par it's a nice little golf clap let's move on well and here and here's another thing and nobody takes notice of that other golfers that is at this venue did you see the ticket thing the, all the ticket I did. controversy yeah so there was only 9000 general admission tickets per day which to me, general admission, that means cheaper and you get the rowdier bunch out there. Well, the members at LA Country Club bought up half of those. So there was really only 4,500, what you would say, quote unquote, golf fans mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like how sterile the Super Bowl is now. It's so corporate that you don't get the true fans you know what i'm saying right, out right, there right because it's so dadgum expensive to do it and i think at this venue specifically one it was already kind of locked up where there wasn't a lot of places to be and then when that happened yeah i mean ricky made that putt on saturday from what 80 feet off the green on number 13 and you, you barely even it was right. like it was thursday morning right it's barely some clapping yeah. you're like what in the world that's a guy that, you know, and, and maybe it was just because it was at that hole. And I know that, that where that was situated, that was the green over there by the Playboy Mansion that we talked about. And then that next tee box, a little bit like, say, 12 at Augusta and then 13 tee, where there's nobody around those greens. Mm-hmm. They're But they're back by the tee box at 12, and you can see down there to the green or whatever. So a little bit like that. But, man, it was amazing to listen to the lack of noise that was out there this weekend. And then just all of a sudden, as everything was finishing up and everybody rushes to the front of the green, and kudos to Wyndham Clark for not letting that bother him. Right. Because that had to be a little bit unsettling for all that movement, everybody around, 
And to be able to two-putt from 60 feet, knock it in there stone dead, there's no way he's going to miss that next one unless the cup knocked it out like it did to Sargent. <laughs> they, they fixed that up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kudos to him. But it just felt like yesterday was just set up to be so awesome, and it wasn't. Right. And a big part of that was Ricky falling down, I think. I think that was a big part. Big part would have preferred a little bit more drama. Even if it was Ricky and, and, and Wyndham Clark. I think most people wanted that, and instead they got Rory, who was just kind of trying to limp it in. Yep. And, you know, we see a stat right here. Strokes game putting for Rory McIlroy. Round one, plus 2.7. Round two, plus 1.8. Round three, minus. Round two, minus. Or round four, minus. His putter just got worse and worse. And I think a big part of that is what Jim said. He quit playing aggressive. He started playing for par instead of making a birdie or two to really ratchet up the pressure. Anyhow, it was a great weekend. Yeah. West Coast golf, there's nothing like it. I mean, Uh, it it threw my clock off. I thought, oh, it's it's over. It's 6 o'clock. And it it was like, what time was it? It was later than that. It was like 1030 on Saturday. Everybody have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.